time for Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU-FM. Welcome to the George G. Beasley Media Complex on this fine Tuesday evening in the high country for another episode of Sports Wrap, sponsored by Eggers, 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 and Eggers, attorney at law. I'm your host, Lucas Warren, and joining me is Jeff Marson, Cody Bear, and Noah Cornelius. Guys, how we doing? And happy Valentine's Day. You know, I wasn't doing as great before, <laughs> but I walked into the studio, and my gracious co-host here, Cody Bear, brought us all humongous, uh, humongous lint chocolate bars. Not sponsored by lint. Not at all. Um, I've already told him I'm going to house the entire thing by the end of the show, <laughs> um, but it brightened my day, and I appreciate Cody a lot for it, and I feel like I owe him back. But I appreciate Cody for doing that. It was very nice. I'm going to eat way too much chocolate tonight. <laughs> you should. And it's not expected to have anything back. I just had to, <laughs> I had to take care of my guys. And gift giving's my love language. So here we are. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Cody. This is this is great. I mean, I feel like like this this is awesome. I, I've never had lint chocolate before, at least the bars like this. So I'm about to devour this, Cody. Cody, you're the best. It's You'll never delicious. Eat again. Brotherly love. I know your alterative motives, Cody. You're trying to make us all look bad. <laughs> trying to us us. <laughs> No, no, you're you're, you're, you're <laughs> on the day of love. You're a great guy, Cody. Thank you. Uh, I'll definitely be eating that later. I'm not gonna. Smack it immediately like Jeff, but hey, more power to you, Jeff. You... Halfway done. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> there better not be anything left at the end of the show. But we've got a great show for you, as always. First, we'll recap. I can hear you unraveling. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, we've got, uh, we'll recap the battle between the Chiefs and the Eagles in an exciting Super Bowl 57. Then we'll jump to the NBA and see what the guys think of some of the hottest takes facing the league currently. And then we'll close the show talking some college basketball all that is next, but first we're going to take a look at all things App State Athletics in the Mountaineer Minute. We're going to switch some music there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Kicking us off is the women's tennis team as they had two matches over the weekend. App State's three-match win streak was snapped at, on Thursday at East Tennessee University with the Mountaineers suffering a 4-0 defeat at the Bristol Sports Complex indoor tennis courts. Looking to bounce back, App State gave Clemson a tight battle on multiple courts, but the Mountaineers fell to the Tigers 4-0 on Saturday. App State's next match is on February 25th at UNC Asheville. The Wofford match that was scheduled for this Sunday has been rescheduled for February 26th. Moving on, the women's basketball team also had some action with two games over the weekend. On Thursday, the team clinched a 63-55 victory over Georgia State as it welcomed students from 15 area schools for Education Day. The Mountaineers welcomed 1,700 fans and came within 123 fans of its attendance record of 1,823 set on April 3, 2019. The team looked for a weekend sweep but fell to Georgia Southern 84-73 in the Play for K pink game on Saturday. The App State women's track and field team closed out its indoor regular season slate at the Marshall Invitational on Saturday, tallying three event wins and 16 top five finishes. The women's squad will travel to Birmingham, Alabama for the Sun Belt Indoor Championship on February 20th and 21st. Events will start at 9 a.m. on both days. 
And finishing us off, the App State softball team split the opening day of its 2023 season at Queens, defeating the Royals 5-2 in Game 2 after a 4-5 loss in the opening contest. The Mountaineers will compete in the Pinnacle PC Invitational with matchups against IUPUI, Seton Hall, and Presbyterian next weekend. Their first home game will be on March 8th against North Carolina. We're going to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. You're listening to Sports Wrap, sponsored by Eggers, Eggers, and Eggers, attorney at law. The App State Career Development Center is here to support students as you explore career paths, identify and develop skills, and pursue experiential opportunities. With the tagline of Explore, Build, Pursue, the center provides opportunities for students to be empowered to achieve lifelong professional success. As you explore majors and careers, our coaches can help you think about how your goals, skills, interests, decision-making process, and personality type might translate into a career. Get started on your career and professional development journey today. Visit the Career Development Center website at careers.appstate.edu. App State's new River Light and Power Green Power program brings clean, climate-friendly energy to the high country. Renewable sources of energy replace carbon-based electric use, lowering our carbon footprint and helping protect the environment. The power is yours. Learn more about the Green Power program today at nrlp.appstate.edu. NRLP is one of more than 70 public power utilities in North Carolina that collectively serve nearly 1.3 million customers. Public Power Week is October 2nd through the 8th. 2022. Appalachian State University's NRLP is proud to be your public power provider. This program is sponsored by Eggers Law Firm, located on West King Street in downtown Boone. From business to traffic matters, the Eggers Law Firm has provided legal service to the high country since 1950. As fourth-generation Appalachian alumni, the Eggers Law Firm is here to assist you with legal help when you need it. The Eggers Law Firm, 737 West King Street. Anna Bananas is a longtime supporter of WASU-FM, App State's college radio station. Anna Bananas Fine Consignment Store buys, sells, trades, and serves Boone from 641 West King Street. You can follow Anna Bananas on Instagram and Facebook. Welcome to Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU. In a back-and-forth game, the Kansas City Chiefs pulled out the win over the Philadelphia Eagles 38-35. to This is the second Super Bowl in four years for the Chiefs and Mahomes, who also earned his second Super Bowl MVP award. Obviously, there's a lot to go over, but I wanted to tackle probably my least favorite part of it. And, you know, the main controversy first, the defensive holding call at the end of the game, which put the Chiefs in field goal range. I'll save my opinions till the end, but what did you guys think of the call? Yeah, it's just kind of one of those weird things. As a neutral fan, you obviously don't want that call to be made. You want it as chaotic a game as possible. Um, I didn't think there's too much there, but then you hear James Bradbury come out in the post games like, I held him, coach. I held him. Yeah. Like the like the guy in that commercial. Um, <coughs> that was a terrible commercial. <laughs> yeah. Awful. awful, awful. You never, you're getting benched if you do that. But. Yeah, no. But <laughs> even even with his admittance, I still wouldn't have liked that call to be made. Um, that being said, it didn't decide the game. Um, the Chiefs still deserve to win. But, um, yeah, still don't like that call. Yeah, it sucks that the call came when it did. Um 
the the game ending on a hold holding penalty is never a fun way to end the game. We all would have loved to see Jalen Hurts and the Eagles get a shot to go down the field. But I do think it was the right call. Juju was supposed to run a corner, and you could see that he couldn't run it because of the first initial tug. So, like, we can always say don't call that in the Super Bowl. Um, I, at first, was like, oh, you can't call that at the end of the Super Bowl. But if we would be mad if it wasn't called in a regular season game, so it's kind of hard to be mad when it's called in the Super Bowl. Um, we, we just have to be realistic with the refs. And there, there was a holding call or a non-holding call earlier um, that should have been called, I think, so the consistency wasn't there. But at the same time, I think the call was the right call, and I'll give a lot of credit to the Eagles, both Bradbury and Sirianni. Sirianni was asked a similar question, and he said it doesn't come down to that one call. So I think they have the right to be frustrated, but they aren't showing it. So I have a lot of respect for them on that end. Oh, yeah. I, I, think, it, I think it was the right call. Uh, I hate that the Super Bowl ended on a call like that. I wish that they could have played it out, but it, it, it was the right call. I mean, even James Bradbury said it. He held him. I mean, it was the right call, but it was a weak call. You know, you would have loved to see that Super Bowl play out. Jalen Hurts get an opportunity to march 98 yards, 98, however many yards down the field. But it was the right call. However, I will say, like you said, Cody, the refereeing has been just so inconsistent this year. And then Goodell, Goodell, Roger Goodell has the audacity to get up there and say, well, I think the officiating is the best. I don't even know if he's Southern, but he's like, well, the officiating is the best it's ever been. I'm like, what? No. He, he took a page out of the NBA's book where Joe Dumars was like, oh, yeah, the NBA refs are the best they've ever been. When really, the refs could do a lot of improving. But as for the call, it was the right call. I hate that the Super Bowl ended on a thing like on on a call like that, but congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs for pulling it out in the end. Yeah, you guys hit on a lot of what I wanted to talk about. Um, I, I It was a penalty at the end of the day. He grabbed them, not only when breaking the route left and then going upfield. The penalty was called on that initial hold, but it was a hold, but you easily could have not called it as well. Um, no one, I don't think, would have complained too much. But at the end of the day, in these big games, fans will always find a call they think could have gone the other way and complain that it decided the end of the game. No singular, singular call decides a game. There was things that could have been done before that point that wouldn't have brought it down to a penalty being called. So I don't like spending too much time on it. If anything, I just think it gives fuel for fans to say rigged and Chiefs didn't deserve it so Chiefs definitely deserved it and if anything like you guys said it just took away from one of the most exciting awesome games I've seen and I just would have loved one more awesome drive at the end of that game for the Eagles but jumping into the actual football the Chiefs after trailing in the first half came roaring back in the second half what impressed you the most about their performance Uh, their creativity on offense uh, we saw the last couple of touchdowns that the Chiefs scored were on wide open plays down near the goal line. I mean, that's that's studying the tape. And I saw something earlier um, that the Chiefs actually took that play from the Jaguars. Did you see that, yes. Cody? Yeah, they took the they took the play from the Jaguars, who mm-hmm. ran the same thing against the Eagles earlier in the year and scored a touchdown on it. And the Chiefs went and did it in the Super Bowl twice. Is that flat play? Yeah, that yeah. flat play. They first ran it to Kadarius Tony and then to Sky Moore. Didn't matter who was there. Anyone could have caught that and run him for a touchdown. So I was impressed with their creativity and, of course, Patrick Mahomes' toughness. I mean, we saw him near the end of the half, end of the first half, kind of limping on that ankle after an ankle tackle. Um, But he came back out and he had the the one very long scramble that 
that helped him get into into field goal range. So, you know, you just have to tip your cap to the the offensive creativity. That's that credit goes to uh, Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, I love the grit and toughness. Um, the you know they scored on every drive in the second half, being down by ten. And I know they were set to get the ball back after the half, but being down by ten at half and on the last play of that half, Patrick Mahomes is struggling to get off the field. I thought there was a chance the Chiefs were done. And you usually don't. Even when the Chiefs are down multiple possessions, you usually don't say they're done. But with Mahomes hurt, it's a different story. But nonetheless, he came out and played great, and that great Eagles defense just couldn't stop them in the second half. That takes a ton of toughness and grit to come out and say, all right, like, we're down by 10, our starting quarterback got hurt, and we're just going to send him out there and, and hope to get back into it, and obviously they did. Cody, I, I think it's funny that you talk about um, you know, the Chiefs not having a chance if Patrick Mahone goes out. Firstly, I just want to say anything is possible. Secondly, I just got a text from my dad about the previous topic. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. He said, I'm listening. It wasn't the right call. If you're going to make that call, be make that call every play because it's done through all, all the entire game. They should be consistent. Anyways, now on to what I thought was most impressive. Patrick Mahomes playing on one leg. I mean, Jalen Hurts was the better quarterback, but Mahomes outlasted, or maybe it was just the Chiefs who outlasted the Eagles defense, but we'll get into that later. Hurts um, threw for 27-38, 304 yards throwing, one pass touchdown, three rushing touchdowns, 70 yards rushing. Mahomes was 21 for 27, 182 yards throwing, three passing touchdowns, one leg. I know anything is possible, but when Patrick Mahomes got out in the open field and had that, what, 20-yard rush, 15-yard rush on a leg, you could tell he was in pain. Like he, His gait, his walking form, look that up in the dictionary, um, it, it wasn't right, but the fact that he got, he got out in the open field, I mean, honestly, that shows a lot about who he is as a player and a little bit about the Eagles' defense that they allowed that to happen, so... Yeah, he definitely, you could tell, was running with a gimp uh, toward on those scramble plays at the end of the game. But I think the most credit goes to, Jeff kind of said it, but this coaching staff, uh, Air, Air, Reed and Bienemy, just for not going away from your game plan in the second half. They easily could have became a one-dimensional team being down 10 against this Eagles defense, but they stuck with the running game, um, and they started to find holes in that zone coverage for the Eagles. And I just... I think most teams and a lot of coordinators panic in that situation and play into what the Eagles wanted them to do, becoming more of a drop-back, predictable, one-dimensional team. But they stuck with the run. They ran better than the Eagles, who have been the best running team all year. And that just deserves a lot of credit. And one thing I wanted to add on was Isaiah Pacheco very early in the game Mm kind of set the tone a little bit for their running game. And I kept telling people, give him the ball more, give him the ball more. He ended up with 15 carries, and he... Didn't have a catch, but he still had 15 carries, which the Chiefs don't run the ball that much with one guy. They usually spread it around uh, in comparison to a guy like Jerick McKinnon who had four carries and and three catches. So they utilized Pacheco because they realized how much... um, how much of a difference he was making. He gave them a different look on that end where mm-hmm. he just runs with so much heart. And anger. Yeah, anger is a good <laughs> one for it. Yeah, and I mean, you saw towards the end of that game, Gardner Johnson, I mean, th- it was like two car collisions when Gardner <laughs> oh, Johnson yeah. oh my him. He knocked yeah. him out and Pacheco came back in right two up. plays later. Yeah, yeah Pacheco was... Yeah. That dude is uh, running with a chip on your shoulder, you mm-hmm. can tell. You know, he... Uh, love that. Seventh round pick from Rutgers. Yeah, you got gotta love the performance there, but now looking at the other team, the Eagles fought hard to stay in this game but came up short in a few key areas where would you say they struggled the most this was easy for me because we talked about it so so much last thursday is rushing the passer talked about how good the eagles have been all year long 
led the NFL in sacks this year. Was, was I think it was the third, third most all time. Third yeah. most all time. You know how many they had? Zero. Zilch. Goose egg. None in the Super Bowl. I think a lot of that really had to do the field. with the grass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hate that we have to bring up the freaking grass in the Super Bowl. <laughs> We're trying out new grass in the Super Bowl. Yeah. But you know, it doesn't really help with the with the way Philly plays. Um guy like Hassan Reddick and even Josh Sweat, they you know, they gotta dig those those yeah. feet in. They gotta to, turn get, the corner. They gotta yeah. turn the corner, exactly. And then they couldn't do that because no one could keep their footing. So I'm not gonna fully blame the the grass because well Kansas City's offensive line played very well because they were run blocking well uh too. They were moving uh Philly's front pretty easily. So give a lot of credit to uh, the Kansas City offensive line. But yeah, the Eagles couldn't get to Mahomes and kind of allowed him to to sit back and he only really had to move out of the pocket what once or twice yeah yeah and very embarrassing for the sod father and don't even get me started on the conspiracy theories of grass and turf no. um, and how this comes into play with it but i i agree 100 percent, jeff the big thing was that the eagles couldn't get to Mahomes. <clears throat> we talked about it a lot last week for me in my opinion the Eagles had to get to Mahomes because they don't. Their defense doesn't perform great against really good quarterbacks. They let Golf, who's not even a really good quarterback, but <laughs> they let Golf put up thirty-five. Rodgers put up thirty-three. Dak put up forty, and they didn't play a top ten quarterback out of those all season, even in the playoffs, other than Rodgers and Mahomes. So coming into this, I was worried about how that defense would play against the greatness of Patrick Mahomes, and it showed true. They had to get to the quarterback to make a difference, kind of focus on that ankle a little bit and make him run and get uncomfortable, and they weren't able to do it. Yeah, no, I'm going to continue on that trend. The Eagles' defense, they were gassed. I mean, they allowed 17 points in the fourth quarter, and they left Kadarius Toney and Sky Moore wide open for key touchdowns to keep the Chiefs in it. Yeah, it was their defense, you know, because the Eagles had the lead. Mahomes was injured, and the defense, I don't know if they just got gassed or celebrated too early. But their defense, and it's, I like that you guys brought up the stats of the Eagles' defense all year because, honestly, I was expect, I knew this was going to be a high-scoring game, but I didn't think that once the Eagles got out in front, I didn't think that they would allow the Chiefs to get back into it. And one thing that was interesting is the Eagles had the number one pass defense going into that game, and I heard a comment, I think it was after the game, from Debo Samuel of the 49ers, said the only reason that their number one is the guys up front. Yeah. You know they they make the no. the defensive backfield as good as it, as good as it is. Like he said, no Slay Slay's good, but yeah. James Bradbury is terrible. He's a he's a, <laughs> he's a result of you know the defensive pressure that they get. And one more thing I wanted to bring up with the uh, the Eagles coming up short was was the last hail mary attempt by Jalen Hurts. Uh, oh no, uh, my, bro- my brother wanted me to bring that up. He. <laughs> <laughs> he threw that ball like 30 yards. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. It's, it probably slipped. He did slip. It slipped. Yeah, I think he slipped. slipped. I mean, yeah. The field, again. But it, but was, it was very funny. No, it was, was funny. It was one of those where you're just like, it, it, you you know it's unlikely, but you're hoping like maybe something, a miracle happens, and then the moment it left his hands, you knew you it did. was <laughs> no. 30 yards short. But, yeah, I'm surprised. I thought I'd be the one to bring up the field, but you got me there, Jeff. I, the field, I do think, played a role in it. Um, I think it's... Just atrocious. I don't understand why we're testing grass out, why we still have turf, but that's another discussion. But, yeah, I think – yeah, go ahead. I mean, the Eagles can't use it as an excuse because yeah. both teams both played on the, field, yeah. on the yeah. same field. 
yeah, no, it's not. Neither side, yeah, they played on the same field. Um, I mean, this was the field too. It, it had problems earlier in the year. Butker like rolled or sprained his ankle on that field in the first game of the year, slipping on a kick. So there's been problems there. Jake Elliott almost slipped on a kick. Um, but yeah, I think. Definitely the pass rush is the main thing. And like you said, with that secondary, it had been propped up by a really good pass rush. They are very conservative back there. They really didn't play man coverage the whole game. It was a lot of zone. And when you have a quarterback like Mahomes, if you can protect him, that's just not going to hold up. Mahomes is always going to find an opening in a zone. And that was apparent in the second half when wide receivers were open by two, three yards every time they caught a pass. So for the Eagles, that pass rush not getting there. Whether it's the field or the game plan, I will say they did do a good job with Hassan Reddick. Almost every time he saw Orlando Bloom and Jared McKinnon, so he was getting Orlando double. Brown. Orlando, Orlando Brown. Brown. Yeah, <laughs> I said Orlando Bloom. Yeah. Um, not the right guy. <laughs> yeah, no. But also another th- aspect, uh, just like a human element. I don't know if any of y'all watch part of my take. Uh, Big Cat was yelling at the Kansas City Chiefs O-line saying the dogs are coming on a comedy show a few days before the Super Bowl. Not saying that specifically, but they were getting dogged by the media. And there's just a human element. Like, you, you, they were a pretty good unit. And if you're told every leading up to the game that you're about to get, you know, dominated by the best pass rush ever, they probably had a little – they're playing with a little pride, I would say. But now jumping into – uh, what I felt like was the most exciting, electrifying part of this game, the quarterbacks. I'm going to give these quarterbacks their roses because they both showed up in big ways for this team, especially Jalen Hurts, who silenced any questions about performing on the highest stage. So just give these quarterbacks their credit. What impressed you the most with their play? I mean, Jalen Hurts threw for 300 yards in a Super Bowl. That's pretty crazy. Only um, threw for one touchdown, but he also did it on the ground, had yeah. 70 rushing yards, had the three rushing touchdowns. He's the I think he's got the crown now for the most automatic one yard on a QB. It's crazy, <laughs> yeah. They may, they legit may have to outlaw that play yeah. now because it's <laughs> it's that easy for them. But um, yeah, Jalen Hurts was was awesome. I don't can't think of any you know blatant mistakes off the top of my head other than the fumble, the fumble yeah. um, which I mean it kind of ended up costing him no, this it game. Did. It did, yeah. Which yeah. which is uh, which is sad because he did play a great game otherwise. Um, Mahomes, you know he was efficient. I, it wasn't it wasn't like a vintage Mahomes performance. He only threw for 182 yards, had the the three touchdowns. He just he just always makes the play when it matters, and I think that's what killed the Eagles is in these high leverage situations. Mahomes never made a mistake. Yeah, I knew I knew Hertz would be big for the run game, but I was worried about him in the passing game, especially with that injured shoulder. But as Jeff said, he threw for 304 yards, and he made some really big-time throws, like some tough throws. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm talking about when I say, and all of us say, it sucks that the Super Bowl ended the way it did. Because I was saying last week, we need to see Hertz be forced to make a big-time late-game drive using his arm with no timeouts. That's what he would have had to do. And we didn't get to see it. Which would, have, would have had one, I think. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah. They would have had one timeout. So one timeout, uh, roughly how much time was left? I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he would have had to use his arm at least a little bit. And they wouldn't have even needed a touchdown to tie it. But after seeing everything up to that point, I was more confident than I have been all season in his arm to make those big throws in a late-game drive. So I was very, very impressed with Hurts on that aspect. And for Mahomes, we know he's great. I was super impressed by his toughness. He had some shots at halftime, for sure. Took some shots and fought through the pain in the second half. Um, But 
he he always makes the big time passes. He always, as Jeff said, exactly what he said. He doesn't make mistakes, and he had some really important runs too on Sunday. So a lot of grit from him. Yeah, Jalen Hurts. I'm excited to see him play. He's one of the future quarterbacks in this league. Quarterbacks of the future in this league. Always exciting to watch him play. 304 yards, like Jeff said. I mean, really, I, I don't have much more to add. I just think you know. Oh wait, I think and I. I'm remembering the stat off the top of my head. I think MVPs were zero and nine in the last Super Bowls going into that game. Yeah. And Mahomes became the first to really um, win MVP and win Super MVP Bowl. in a Super Bowl. He beat it. Yeah. No. I mean, it was. I mean, just a great performance from both these guys. I just love that Hertz had the game he did because. I don't think it was fair, but a lot of guys were saying Hertz was the question mark on this team for some reason, saying, I don't know if he'll be able to play at these highest moments. And he just silenced any uh, doubt. Uh, he threw the ball incredibly well. That one, third and 14, I believe, to Dallas Goddard when he immediately mm-hmm. saw the blitz, rolled out, and made that throw. That's Incredible. Just a top five quarterback throw. That's amazing. not many guys make that throw, especially in that moment. Really great throw. And then, yeah, like you said, Jeff, the just those QB sneaks. They're the one yard just right up the middle QB sneaks are automatic. Auto- there's nothing. It's the most automatic play in the unstoppable play in the NFL. And it's I, I heard someone on a podcast say this like might be a thing, like teams are going to replicate it. I don't know if you really can because not many quarterbacks are power lifters in college and can squat 600 pounds. Yeah. Hurts is a bona fide, like, dual threat runner, and he really does get it done through the air. He was amazing in this game. And the Mahomes numbers, I think, were a little uh, underwhelming. They had their, the fumble, I think, caused that. You get one less drive in that sense. And then the Kadarius Tony kick return also probably lessened the amount of yards. I think he probably gets like 250 if those two things don't happen. Mm-hmm. But he was still incredibly efficient. You're not going to ask for anything more from him. He won the game, and he was amazing while doing it. So, a great, a, like you said, a gritty performance by him. Maybe not the numbers you'd expect, at least yards-wise, but he was still very good in that game. Um, before we get into just the fun stuff, anything else football-wise you all want to talk about? Or Kadarius Stoney may have been acquisition of the year. That it hurts, but yeah, <laughs> you're a Giants guy, but um, right, Giants. I was I was happy to see him, you know, make an impact in that yeah. game. The, you just mentioned the the huge punt return. Yeah. He also had the the receiving touchdown. So. Happy for him, man. Yeah. yeah. Sean Payton said it before the game. The Chiefs have a big advantage on special teams. Yeah. Ooh. So. The third element yep. everyone yeah. forgets. Yep. Canarius Tony going to the Chiefs in the middle of the season. It's like when Blake Griffin left the Pistons and everybody's like, he doesn't have bounce. Then he went to the Nets and it's like, what? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Lucas. No, nah, it's, it's all right. <laughs> that, that was a great – just like some of the moments in that game we're going to forget. But that – like the A.J. Brown touchdown catch. Unbelievable. What a play. Oh, what a play. And there's just a lot of plays like that. This was a – Outside of that last two minutes, and it just didn't have the photo finish ending you would want, but it was a classic Super Bowl before that point. But before we move on, just some you know Super Bowl activities, favorite <laughs> commercial, and thoughts on Rihanna's halftime show. Jeff. Uh, commercial, I have no thoughts. I didn't. I didn't really think any of them were were worth noting uh, for this particular segment. Halftime show, I got a little bit more. Um, so. Uh, before the show started, we were, you know, we're we're chatting it up in the uh, group chat, the WASU sports group chat, mm-hmm. and and someone who's sitting here said this show is about to be mid joke, <laughs> as a joke. <laughs> I did not think that show was going to be mid. And then Rihanna comes out, <laughs> yeah. oh boy, and goes banger after banger yeah. after banger. She did not miss once. 
Nope. Zero misses from Rihanna during the halftime show. You know, there's people who are somehow disappointed with it. She's she's pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> she she can't, is. She can't physically do much. Yeah. No. She was literally floating on a stage like 50 feet above the ground, and the lights at the end were were awesome. It was a great show. Not number one all time, but it's certainly up there. You know, the the songs are obviously fantastic. I positive review, positive review, five stars. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it as well. <laughs> I think, I mean, I don't know. I felt like maybe there could have been done more. Not, not necessarily when it comes to how you choreograph it, because Rihanna is pregnant. Can't so do much. She yeah, can't, can't do much. Do, she's not going to go do a backflip. Um, <laughs> but outside of that, it was very visually pleasing. And yes, Rihanna has so many bangers. Yeah, yeah. and it's. I would have loved to see. Like maybe more, maybe a, one special guest. I yeah. thought Jay Z was going to come out. The baby that was, was the guest. That was the one, yeah. one flaw maybe that I saw because yeah. you know they sing all the lights, they sing yeah. umbrella, they sing yeah. runs town. You think maybe Jay Z comes There's out? There's some uh, conspiracies going on with that. People are saying it was Kanye. Uh, no. See, see, it it felt like it. Like, they played two straight. I was like, they played two straight. Kanye, yeah. that Kanye yeah. song. Yeah, I was so. joking about that it up joke. to it, and I was like, oh my god. What if Kanye came out <laughs> oh, like, as no. a joke? Yeah, and no, then he gets yeah. there, I'm like, is Kanye going to come out? And then as far, as far as commercials go, I don't know. I, the 2B commercial gave me a chuckle. I knew people yeah. would talk about that, but yeah. I stopped paying attention to the commercials a couple of years ago. I won't lie. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, okay, the Rihanna show was not mid. I was half joking about that because I forgot how many Back amazing track. songs Rihanna had. Look, I'm just, okay, fine. <laughs> okay, commercials. I know Rihanna's the GOAT. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I was wrong. Okay, my favorite commercial, though, and this is because I'm biased. I was a musical theater kid in high school. John Travolta, the T-Mobile commercial, because I played Danny Zuko in Greece and, and when oh I did God. musical theater. So I was like, tell me more, tell me more. And no, but my real favorite one was the Diddy Uber One commercial where they did the spoofs of all the songs. And I was like, okay, this is good. I also grew up in a recording studio, so these are kind of just biased commercials. But honestly, I'm with you, Jeff. The commercials were not all that this yeah. year, dude. They were not. Yeah, the if you uh, – I don't know. I feel like the commercial are one of those things as a kid you remember it a lot better. But then as you grow up and you actually start paying attention, you realize it's not that great. <laughs> um, but I, I thought the – obviously the 2B one stands out just because it was kind of like – you got attention from it. Uh, I think the Poppers one was my favorite though. The one with Breaking Bad. They replaced oh, yeah. the Poppers with uh, certain blue substance. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Halftime show, thought it was – pretty good a lot of bangers um i would have liked yeah jeff's giving me a stare right now <laughs> he, he doesn't tolerate rihanna slander no um, rihanna. i i i would have liked a, a little more just like another person i think could that's have saved fair. It. and i think that's fair yeah i think the only reason i'm a little it's it's tough to follow last year's because last year's was so good last year's was, oh yeah yeah the hip-hop that was my favorite Dr. One. Dre. so it, nothing was going to live up to that's that fair. the next year mm-hmm. so but i still thought it was a great performance but with that we're going to take a quick break but when we return nba hot takes don't go anywhere you're listening to sports wrap on 90.5 wasu Hey, this is Cameron Moore, Air Personality and Program Director of KISS 95.1 in Charlotte. Are you considering a career in broadcasting? The Keller Radio Talent Institute is 10 days of intense learning from over 40 broadcast professionals this summer on the Appalachian State University campus. This is the only program of its kind for college students, whether on air and music radio, sports, news, 
podcasting, sales, social media, video, promotions, or any aspect of radio, this is the Campus to Career Connection. Application deadline, March 1st, but it's a rolling acceptance. So the earlier you apply, the more likely you are to get in. Only 25 students are accepted. More information at nationalradiotalentsystem.com under Keller Radio Talent Institute. Today a student, tomorrow a pro. Lights, camera, action. Have you watched our friends at AppTV yet? AppTV is in the same building here on campus with WASU-FM in the Beasley Media Complex. AppTV has student-made content from sports to news to video game reviews. AppTV is on SkyBest Channel 20 or 1020, Spectrum Charter Channel 198, and Channel 23.3 on campus. Or the AppTV website, watchapptv.com. The App State Career Development Center is here to support students as you explore career paths, identify and develop skills, and pursue experiential opportunities. With the tagline of Explore, Build, Pursue, the center provides opportunities for students to be empowered to achieve lifelong professional success. As you explore majors and careers, our coaches can help you think about how your goals, skills, interests, decision-making process, and personality type might translate into a career. Get started on your career and professional development journey today. Visit the Career Development Center website at careers.appstate.edu. If the Boone winter winds have you wishing for warmer weather, think about summer and taking a class or two. Registration opens on April 3rd. The summer session schedule of classes is available now at summersessions.appstate.edu. Anna Bananas is a longtime supporter of WASU-FM, App State's college radio station. Anna Bananas Fine Consignment Store buys, sells, trades, and serves Boone from 641 West King Street. You can follow Anna Bananas on Instagram and Facebook. Welcome to Sports Wrap, sponsored by Eggers, 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 and Eggers, attorney at law. The NBA season, the NBA season is rapidly approaching the end of the regular season, and with trade deadline just passing, each team's rosters is set for the remainder of the year, excluding buyout players. So this is a reasonable time, I think, to make some bold claims about some teams and some players. So in this segment, guys, I'll give you a take, and you simply just tell me if you agree or you disagree. Everybody, you can use the sound effects there too. Sound effects. Oh, the sound effects. Sound, effect. Soundboard. Got, got the right and the wrong. That right you could and use. the wrong. Yes. Yeah. So am There's, I the mediator here? I get to decide if, or I guess if you. <laughs> no, it'd be like yes yeah, or yeah. no. I got you. Okay. Make yeah, sure. we'll we'll throw yeah. some throw some music in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some For sound sure. effects. Let's, let's have some fun with this. Oh yeah, we, we we got a high production value here For at sure. ninety point five WSU. Yeah, we do. So we'll start with, in my opinion, a pretty. Easy one. I think I already have a feel for what the answers are going to be here, but first hot take. The Los Angeles Lakers made themselves contenders with their trade deadline moves. Jeff? Clarification. Contenders for the playoffs or for a championship? <laughs> contenders for a championship. Yeah, no. Absolutely not. Uh, they are far, far out from that. I mean... You want to talk about a, a team that can't play defense, can't really stay healthy. They're They've got a long way to go. And then LeBron, he breaks a scoring record. Good on him. He hasn't played since then. He hasn't played in games. <laughs> he, was, he was at the Super Bowl. I'm not going to be a conspiracy theorist, but he, he seems like it's, he's taking it easy. Can, can I ask, how do you have a professional opinion on a penalty if you play basketball? I don't know if you saw the tweet. 
I mean, it's just his thoughts as a sports junkie, regardless his own sport. Well, he played place. football in high school, so also true. Professional opinion, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the the Lakers are not championship contenders. No, there you go. Yeah, yes. Jeff didn't like that one. Cody, what do you think? I disagree. D'Angelo Russell, we'll see how he does. Wasn't playing very well in Minnesota. Malik Beasley was more important for the Lakers, in my opinion, because they needed a shooter. He shot 6 for 12 from 3 last night, scoring 22 points in 21 minutes, but they still lost. I think those. I think it was a good trade. They made good trades, but I don't think it's enough to become contenders. They're two and a half games behind the 10 seed to make the play-in tournament. Mm. Yes, with AD and LeBron, those are two guys you don't want to face in the playoffs, but let's be real. The term, I wouldn't want to face them in the playoffs, is a nice way of saying you respect them, but you don't say it about contenders because it, for contenders, it goes without saying. Yep. So you don't want to face anybody in the playoffs. So no, they are not contenders. Noah, you ready for this one? I knew it. Was I hard. agree. I think that they can make a run this year, and I know everybody's looking at me cringing and stuff. Yeah, Jeff. <laughs> but look, I gotta have the hot take here. Watch D'Lo cook. Look, people forget he averaged twenty-one, three, and seven in his All-Star year with Brooklyn. Then he got traded for KD to form the Net Super Team. Karma. He averaged twenty-three for Golden State, just under twenty with the Wolves. He brings pure scoring. He's a dog, and I think people are underrating this trade. I think he is a better fit for the Lakers than Kyrie Irving was or ever would have ever been. And, hey, Beasley, Vanderbilt, Mo Bamba, and Devon, Devin Reed, sneaky nice piece. Maybe not Devin Reed, but Beasley and Vanderbilt, those are nice pieces. But the Lakers are going to go for a run and try and get to the eighth seed. I think they could make the play in. I really hope they do, but I, I think, I think don't, bet, don't bet against LeBron. Yeah, I, I think every move they made helps their roster. I think it improves their team, but it's like a bunch of singles. They, they don't add up to much. Uh, I, don't, I don't think this changes their outlook as a team much. Oh, wait, I didn't give you a... Oh, that's a wrong. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Lucas, right. there thank you. Go. But yeah, uh, I did say, Noah, you're going to bring some hot takes. I, yeah. I, I don't know if that in court, I agree that Kyrie wouldn't be as good of a fit as D'Angelo Russell. I think a lot of people... I uh, don't realize D'Angelo Russell was having probably his best year with the Timberwolves this season, mm-hmm. and they still had no problem trading him away for Mike Conley. I think that says a lot about the kind of player he is. I don't think he's that much of a valuable or winning player at the m- moment. I think Malik Beasley is a good fit. I like Obama's potential. Uh, I think D'Angelo Russell is probably gone after this year, and I don't see them making the plan, mm. I don't think. So moving on to the next one, and I think this is a little harder of a question. Mm-hmm. We had to have some clarification here, so if any yeah. of you are confused, don't feel free to ask. Uh, so second hot take, the Timberwolves are better off moving Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, I want to give, give my yes or no answer, but I feel like it's a, it's a, it depends yeah. kind of on the package that they would get. I'll go ahead and say, I'll go ahead and say yes. Because it is, it's an odd kind of pairing that they had to begin with, with him and Gobert on the floor at the same time. It's it's just not really working out well. I think they can get a ton for him because he's still very young and he's still a very good player. Um, you can get more young pieces as well to kind of center the team more around Anthony Edwards, who, by the way, is leading that team in scoring at 24.7 points a game. I think he's awesome, so... I think the the Timberwolves should kind of make that switch, moving their franchise centerpiece from Cat to Ant. My answer is completely, totally, absolutely, 
utterly, entirely, yes. Oh. I think at this point, they have to. What else do they do after the Gobert trade? Win now isn't going to happen. We know that. So do they rebuild around Cat and Edwards? How are they going to do that? They traded four first-round picks and a pick swap for yep. Gobert mm-hmm. and Walker Kessler and Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt. I think they threw away a rebuild when they tried to win now with, by getting Gobert. So they aren't going to win now. So in order to rebuild, preferably around Anthony Edwards, you have to trade Towns and get something back. Guys, I think I'm going to disagree. Okay. I think they're better off. I think they're better off moving. Yeah, I meant to click wrong. I moved the uh-huh, mouse too uh-huh. much. Right, right, right. No, no. I, I think disagree. I, I think they're better off moving from moving on from Rudy Gobert. And that's I know that's not the best take because Conley and Rudy Gobert have a good chemistry together. They talked about Woes talked about that when they made the Mike Conley trade. But Rudy's averaging thirteen, eleven, and one block per game. I'm pretty sure Walker Kessler is averaging more blocks than him. And the Minnesota offense is absolutely terrible with both him and Cat, but I still believe in Cat. I think if you... I know Cat's suffered from injuries, and I know Anthony Edwards is Anthony Edwards, but I still believe in Cat. But the problem is that Rudy Gobert contract is one of the worst in the league. I don't know where you go with that. Like... Cody, you were saying it. Look at all the stuff they gave away to get Gobert, and now look at all the stuff they gave away over the trade deadline. How do you even get rid of Gobert? I mean, maybe it is time for a rebuild. I love Cat, but man, Timberwolves, they blew it. They absolutely blew it in their rebuild and win now or whatever they're doing. I don't know what's going on. I said trade them both. Wrong. <laughs> wrong. What was that? It was a hoopla wrong. Oh, God. <laughs> switching it up on you. Yeah, I... uh I would say yes to this one. I think Cat does need to be moved. I think uh, when he went out with injury this season, it just became apparent. This is uh, Ant, this is Ant's team. This is Anthony Edwards' team. He's the best player on this team. They need to build around Ant, and the way to do that is spread, pick, and roll. It, this roster makes so much more sense when Gobert is the one big man on the court, and then you can actually put shooters around Edwards outside of Gobert, obviously. But when Cat comes on the court, it just muddles things up. Who's the roller? Who sits out? When Who's like the guy just standing in a corner when they are rolling? Probably mm-hmm. Cat, but then you're having Cat just be a spot-up shooter in the corner. And then defensively, it's never going to work. I just Two guys, two big guys in the league now where you have so much talent and creation off the dribble, it's just going to be so hard for to survive, and you're not going to be able to in crunch time for sure with those guys. I think you move Carl Anthony Towns, you get. You, I think you're still going to get a lot of return for him, and then you rebuild around, uh, or you just retool around Anthony Edwards as your main guy. You still have Gobert, who's still a good player. He's still he's good defensively, and he fits better when they're shooting around him. But yeah, you can't trade Gobert. There's no. You're not. Yeah, that contract back for is uh, awful. They would love to still have Walker Kessler and a Ooh, lot of Walker picks. Kessler, they would man. do that, reverse that trade in a heartbeat. I think they'd trade Gobert for Walker Kessler straight up right now, but that's a different <laughs> hot take. Moving on to number three, the Brooklyn Nets will stay in the top six of the East. I like this one. I think they do because their team defense is a lot better. Um, this team, to me, is reminiscent of the one that they had a, a few years ago with D'Angelo Russell. They kind of have that same yeah. like vibe to them. Yeah, um, the chemistry's off the charts now. Since they've made those trade, since they made the the big KD trade, they are one and two. Though they lost to the Knicks. Yeah, yeah. There, I'll, I'll give you your, your shout out, Lucas. But um, you know they still have a. They're just like a bunch of good role players, honestly. But it flows 
perfectly almost in a, in a way. Um, you talk about like Mikel Bridges, 3 and D guy. He plays his role. Cam Johnson, kind of the same thing. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be number one option, I think, for this team moving forward. Um, Cam Thomas? He's doing good enough. Cam, Cam Thomas, Thomas. I love Cam Thomas. Um, he had the he had the good stretch there of yeah. like a couple of games like back to back three forty point games that yeah in a row nuts yeah. nuts and he's coming off the bench and you still have a guy like Ben Simmons who you know he's, <laughs> he's yeah he's got the yips a little bit when it comes to, oh, to shooting the basketball but still a good he's still a semi decent defender he's yeah. a pretty good facilitator as well so I I'm rooting I don't know if they will I kind of. I am hoping that they finish top six, but I'm rooting for this Nets team to finish top six. I I don't think they do, which it pains me to say, because no. mm. I think they still have a good team put together. Um, I only say, I actually think they finished seven in the Heat. <laughs> Darn. Uh, I think the Heat are right behind them, and the Knicks who just beat them are not very far behind. And then, <laughs> like, they're a couple games ahead, but there's still a month left in the season. <laughs> So I think I think they'll actually finish right at seven, uh, and like I said earlier, it's not something you say to contenders. Both as many, you know, three and D wing players. I wouldn't want to face them in the playoffs. Doesn't mean that they're yeah. obviously contenders, but I think they finish. Yeah, they have every right three outside. and D player. In the yeah. League, but yeah, Lucas, I'm going to agree with you, but only because we're really late into the season and because Cam Thomas is really showing off his potential. Over the last five games, he's averaged 26.2 points, 3.4 rebounds, and 2.4 assists. And uh, I, I know those are inflated because of the three 41, 47, and 43 point games he's had, but. With with how late they are in the season, I feel like if they can mesh together quickly, and Mike and Macau Bridges has never missed a game. He's he's never missed a game. I, I'm pretty sure I saw that stat on ESPN. It's crazy if they can mesh together and not limp into the playoffs, but get enough wins to stay in the top six. Because the Knicks are coming. The, the the New York Knicks are definitely coming. Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart. And, well, they should have had Zach Levine, but the Bulls are atrocious. I don't want Zach Levine. You know what? <laughs> but the Knicks are coming. I mean, shoot, Celtics, Bucks, 76ers, Cavaliers, Nets, Heat, Knicks. Hawks aren't going to make a run. I don't think Raptors will. I mean, yeah, I think the Nets stay top six. Yeah, I think they have a few things going for them. They're 33-24, and 24, I believe, as we talk about them. They have a good cushion. Uh, but I, I do think... As we progress, they had that one win that spirited. We don't need stars. We can we can do it with a bunch of good role players. It's starting to come down to earth. You know, they have the two losses. I think I think the wheels will come off a little bit. I do think the I do think they'll fall out of the top six. Uh, I might be saying that a little biasly, thinking the Knicks are going to jump in that top six. But you know, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take it. Uh, I don't think the Nets will stay in the top six of the East. Now, number four, and we got to move a little quickly here. Nikola Jokic should win his third straight MVP. Yes. Yes. He's averaging a triple-double. I think if you're doing that, that kind of automatically qualifies you. But if you look at some other guys, uh, especially Luka Doncic, who I think should have been you know, in that 1-2 conversation with Jokic, yeah. him missing time really hurts him. So, uh, yes, Jokic is my MVP. The answer is yes. We talk a lot about efficiency and advanced stats and how Jokic is better 
in those categories than anyone, but at the end of the day, he's averaging a triple-double, 25, 11, and 10. The Nuggets are at the top of the West easily. I think they're four or five games ahead of the Grizzlies. They're right there with the Celtics at the top of the NBA. We get tired of a player and we see voter fatigue, but Jokic is the MVP. He isn't as shiny or fun to watch, maybe, as Giannis or Tatum. Uh, but right now, he's the best player in the NBA. Jeff, remember last uh, two weeks ago when I was on Sports Rap and I was telling you Mahomes was quietly like the MVP? It's the same thing here. Nikola Jokic, yes, he should win his third straight MVP, 25-11-10 on 70% true shooting. It, it, it really is just like Patrick Mahomes, where you just expect him to be this good at this point. I mean, you look at Jason Tatum, they got the top seed in the East, but he's only, I mean, 30 points, 8-4 and four on 60% true shooting. Giannis, 30-12-5 on 60% true shooting. I mean, the Luca thirty thirty three eight and eight. Luca is the only one that I'm really kind of like, man. I'd love to see Luca win the MVP, but as Jeff said, injuries. So, yeah, I think it's a travesty how uh, underrated I think Nicole Jokic has become in the league somehow because you know he's not on the best team in the league when he wins his first two uh, MVPs. He's not even on that good of a team the two years he won last year and the year before that. But he was still the best player in the league. And then this year, you know, I think it's unfortunate, but just how the NBA works, the game most people watched with him was the Nuggets Sixers, and Joel Embiid dominated that game. Uh, but I think it is, without a doubt, Jokic. He is the MVP. I would honestly put Jason Tatum second on my ballot if I was voting. I think I, it does play into just best team, best player, but he's been he's averaging over 30 points a game. He's been really good, and that team is awesome. He's still averaging like eight points, a, eight rebounds a game, too, so he's close to a double-double. Uh, I would put him second, but yeah, Jokic is the MVP. Now, uh, number five, the Memphis Grizzlies won't reach the Western Conference Finals. Jeff? Yeah, I know they're a controversial team because John Morant's not worried about anyone in the West, <laughs> oh, yes. but but uh, they won't reach the Conference Finals. Um, That's a right. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean, I like the team, obviously. They're second in the West, 34-22, and 22, but there's, there's too many good teams out there now. You talked about the Nuggets already, the Suns, as soon as they get going, which they will. Uh, with Kevin Durant, that's another dangerous team. The Mavericks, when Luka comes back, and they have both Kyrie and Luka on the floor at the same time, going to be tough to beat. And you look at some other teams, like even like the Pelicans or something like that, can uh, <laughs> can make a run at that. So um, I'm going to go ahead and take the take the field over the Grizzlies. I agree that they won't reach the Western Conference Finals. They aren't better than the Nuggets, who we just talked about. I think they finish as the two-seed, though, so they don't really have to worry about the Nuggets to get there. But I don't think they're better than the Suns now. I don't know if they're better than the Mavericks now. And if Kawhi and Paul George can play a full series, I don't know if they're better than the Clippers. So I don't think they get there. No. Look, I don't think this team is built to win a championship. This is kind of reminding me of Allen Iverson, and then he has pieces around him. This team might be a little better than Allen Iverson's 2001 team, because Allen Iverson was playing with Eric Snow and an aging Dikembe Mutombo. But this Memphis Grizzlies team is not making the Western Conference Finals. Eric Snow is a tenacious on-ball defender. (laughs) (laughs) But, no, I I will take the field here. Uh, I I think it really comes down to the difference between regular season depth and postseason depth, which they have regular season depth. They have a lot of guys there. They go basically 12 deep right now. But when it comes to the postseason, they have 
really only two guys I trust, which mm-hmm. is John Morant and Desmond Bain. Mm-hmm. Jaron Jackson Jr. will have his games, but I don't rely on him. I don't see him as a consistent offensive player, at least defensively. He's one of the best players in the league, but I don't think he gets his uh, gets to like 20 points consistently. And then the bench is just a mixed bag. They got rid of I, I, Tyus Jones is still very good off the bench, but losing a guy like Slomo. Uh, I, I think that's, I guess, I, I forgot his I, I Kyle Anderson. Sl- Kyle Anderson. I've called him slow-mo for so long. Uh, that's not, But, yeah, I, I would take the field on this one. I don't think the Grizzlies are – they should be scared of other teams in the West, I yep. think. Uh, but now moving on, uh, number six, we have three left. Let's try to go a little quickly here. Doc Rivers is on the hot seat. Yes, he's had some bad luck, I should add. Um, Paul George has played 42 games this year. Kawhi Leonard's only played 32. Got John Wall, who's played 34 games this year. A lot of injury problems. Doc. Doc Rivers is on the 76ers. He left the Clippers. Ty Lue coaches the Clippers. Ty Lue. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that just that just goes uh, on, on my uh, preparation, huh? It's yes. all right, Jeff. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and say no. <laughs> but... <laughs> well, <laughs> Wow, that's a really bad one. That's no, a bad one. He was the coach that's, of the Clippers, and then they choked to the Nuggets. So we'll, we'll just say that's not going on the real. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean the Sixers are a great regular season team. It's, I mean, we'll see how he performs in the postseason. That's kind of the big thing. Um, yeah, I'll shut the heck up. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna say. I'm going to say yes, he's still on the hot seat. Be on the hot seat with the Clippers or the Sixers. Um, right now, the 76ers, they're, I, I don't know. I think they're once again, I mean, there's so much talent on that team that when it comes, but when it comes down to playoffs, you don't really have that same trust in them. So, yeah, I think at the end of the day, you have to look at a culture and a locker room and why aren't they winning even though they have that talent and eventually you put that on the head coach. I'm going to disagree. I don't think he is, but I think the 76ers as a whole are if they don't put something together this year. I I, I mean, look, man, Joel Embiid, James Harden, uh, Tyrese Maxey, I mean, if they they don't have a championship winning squad, which tells me I don't even, I mean, I, I so probably, yeah, I think they are on the hot seat. Something's just not flowing, so... Right, wrong, I don't know. Yeah, we're switching. We're switching. Yeah, uh, yeah. Talk I think he's he's definitely on the hot seat. Uh, this is a championship caliber roster, I believe, and I, and he's had a. It's. I mean, it's this. Uh, it's a pattern of his career. Very successful in the regular season. It tends to collapse in the postseason. Fair or not, he's had some terrible luck throughout his career. And then I think if they fail to reach at least the Eastern Conference Finals this year, you got to start being scared of Joel Embiid asking to leave this team I, it's he's such a good player and he's they're not wasting his talent but if they don't make an eastern conference finals with him you could say that uh now we got about six minutes left two more questions we can do this trey young <laughs> will be the next star to ask for a trade no, no. do i need to elaborate do i know what team he plays on <laughs> I, I think he's only been on yeah. one so. oklahoma yeah. <laughs> yeah he is He's on the Hawks. Um, I'm saying no just because I feel like he is that franchise. No other real reason. You talked about. You talked to me before the show about how he's been injured and he just doesn't go to the games that he's not playing in. Um, you know, he's been a bad teammate, to be honest. Yeah. For a while, I talked about his days at Oklahoma. I mean, how do you think he was the leading scorer and a sister in the country and their team didn't really go anywhere? I'm sure that has something to do with it, but. Yeah, Trey Young, not not exactly a team player. 
I like the take a lot. Um, I think they tried to go all in with DeJounte Murray. It isn't working. They're probably moving John Collins soon, and I, I don't know if they don't get another star from that. I think usually when a team goes through this phase, stars get a little antsy. So I think paired with him not being a very good teammate, it's never his fault. Um, that's probably a reason why he's, he would move. I agree. I think I think Trey Young's out. Uh, look, they tried the Dejounte Young and Trey Young experiment. It failed. Clint Capella. I don't know what he what he's doing. I mean, John Collins. I have him on fantasy. He's just dud. I think Trey Young's got to get out of Atlanta. Yeah, I, I think this is a like. I think it has the writing on the wall to be the next uh, star to ask out. He, if you listen to a lot of what his players say, especially ex-players, like there was an interview with Kevin Herter. I'm looking for the quote. I'm not gonna be able to find it, uh, but he basically said, you know, there's ups and downs with his game, and he just wasn't extremely positive. And if that's any indication, it's very rare for players to say anything except exceedingly positive like feedback about a player. So for Herter, an ex-player, to even remotely be negative, I think that shows just. I don't think guys like playing with him. He doesn't play defense. He holds the ball the entire possession. And he's a coach killer, too. I think as long if they don't win soon, I think I could easily see him axing out. And I think it would be on him. I don't think he's I, – I'm a little – I'm not a big Trey Young guy. But now on to the last question, final one of this segment. The Boston Celtics are the clear-cut championship favorites. Yes. It's pretty obvious. I mean, if you look at the standings at this point, the Celtics are the number one seed in the East. Um they're they're only a, a game and a half against the over the Bucks right now, which they are, you know, hot on their tail. But what I've seen from the Celtics is very impressive. Um, you want to take a look at some teams from the West? They've kind of fallen off from a year ago. Most notably, the Warriors, who won the championship. They're now a nine seed, having some injury problems. A lot of teams having injury problems, yeah. um, including the Celtics now with Jalen Brown. But um, to me, I mean. We've seen the postseason pedigree now. It's got to be the Celtics. I'm going to say yes as well. Um, I mean, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum paired together. They're both so good. They're the best-scoring duo in the NBA. Jason Tatum's right there, right with Jokic as an MVP candidate. Like, yes, we do have a team like the Nuggets or a team like the Suns now with Kevin Durant. But you mentioned it, Lucas. There's the same thing as... Like, there's a regular season depth and a playoff depth, and they're different. But we've seen the Celtics kind of beat that last year getting there, and I think they're right in the prime position to kind of redeem themselves and win it this year. So I think they're the favorites. Agree. I wish it was the Lakers because I love LeBron, but after getting Mike Muscala, Derek White stepping up, and Malcolm Brogdon, and I think Jalen Brown's averaging like 27. I mean, this is a complete squad. This is the team you should be afraid of. I'm not afraid of the Nuggets. It's going to be the Celtics this year. Well, let's be nice. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I had to click You're that playing button. Playing around, <laughs> I saw Stephen A. I had to click. The let's button. be nice. Yeah, I think the Celtics are uh, the clear-cut favorites. I think if they don't win the championship, it's an unsuccessful season for them. They have they're the best depth in the league when it comes playoff time. They have they go I think nine eight deep. Even Luke Cornett is playing good minutes for this. <laughs> Luke Cornett, Cornett. Uh, and I think they have the best star duo in the league in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I think they are the best team in the league, and I do I do expect them to win the NBA championship. Uh, so we don't have a ton of time for basketball. 
I do want to touch on Carolina real quick. Uh, it, it, it wasn't a great game last night. They <laughs> lost to 15th ranked, the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, they now sit at 6-10 and 10 overall and 8-7 and seven in ACC play. They struggled. They were the game was close going into halftime, but they struggled in the second half, only scoring two field goals in the first eight minutes of the second half. What caused UNC to collapse in this game, and just what what was not good in that game, Jeff? They didn't make shots. Yeah, it's as simple as that. I think it was. Think how they're at three for twenty four at the three point line yeah. for, at one point. I think it was two for twenty four. Two for twenty. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. It was yeah. bad. They just didn't make shots. It's as simple as that. Miami's not a great defending team. They throw four guards out there who can all score. That's good. They're but, wild to watch. Obviously. Yeah, <laughs> but they—I mean—they can't play defense, and yeah. they looked like a really good defensive team facing a Carolina team that simply couldn't make shots. Yeah, I mean the team can't can't shoot. I mean, last last year, if you get hot at the right time, like they did, they they can play really well. But the, the, they're not a very good shooting team. If Caleb Love would just have better shot selection, it would stop him from taking a couple years off my life <laughs> as a UNC fan. Because otherwise, I think he's been really good this year. He took a big step. But, yeah, I mean, he doesn't have great shot selection. And UNC as a team isn't a very good shooting team. You know that Shaq quote where it's like, I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with your game. That's me with the Tar Heels because after they collapsed and fell out of the top 25, I'm like, I'm not watching this team. I just want to add this real quick. North Carolina has lost 10-plus games in four straight seasons for the first time since 1949 to 1954. That is... Is a crazy stat. Yeah. <laughs> they made yeah. a championship last year, though, so <laughs> I don't mind the 10 losses. But yeah, I think uh, it, it does come down to the shooting. I think it's, I think Love's shot selection is terrible, but I don't know what they want Love to do. There's three guys on this team who isn't scared to shoot. Yeah. I mean, the bench, yeah, just, there's just no one on this team who wants to shoot outside of RJ Davis. Caleb Love, and now Leakey's starting to shoot more just because I feel like it's just he has to. Puff isn't scared, but there's not a lot of guys who doesn't want to shoot. Seth Tremble hasn't made, has made one three-pointer this year. He went six games well, without making a, a field goal. He's a terrible shooter. I know, but you're playing real minutes. He was a like, top 40 recruit coming in. It's, just, it's tough, but we're, we're done. Now, <laughs> shout-outs. Jeff, what do you got? Let me let me let me get the music going. What do you got, Jeff? Well, let's shout out. Uh, it's Valentine's Day, so shout out Cody for getting us chocolate. I did delete that chocolate bar throughout this show. Uh, shout out to my mother and my grandmother who always listen to every single show. So shout out to them for Valentine's Day. And my sports shout out will go to AJ Brown, who dunked on Juju on Twitter today because Juju decided to make a cute little Valentine's meme of James Bradbury, and AJ Brown went on to say that. He's TikTok boy, and <laughs> he Mahomes saved his career on a one-year contract. So, uh, shout out AJ Brown. Yeah, shout out to my sports shout out, McCole Hardman. Um, he, I don't think he's at the game because his girlfriend went into labor, and oh. they have a child now. Another one, I think. So, congrats to them. Yeah. All right, I have to throw in motorsports. Look, first of all, I want to say, Mom and Dad, thank you for listening. But also, Nick Sanchez and Rev Racing, they're going down to Daytona to race in the NASCAR Craftsman Trucks World Trucks Series race in Daytona. Good luck, Nick. Good luck, Rev Racing. Got a lot of friends on that team. Hope you all do well. Shout out to my friends and family listening, and shout out to, uh, I'm blanking, uh, Jay, uh, Josh Hart. <laughs> I blanked on the name there. 27 points in his opening game. Uh not much of a three-point shooter, but I believe he made six in that game. It's just an awesome uh, opening performance from him, and we got the win. So shout out to you, Hart. Uh, but that will be it for another episode of Sports Wrap. But don't go anywhere. Next up, 
Dad's Records. <laughs> 